Hey, welcome to Creative Block, where your hosts be. And Sean, we interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on YouTube and Instagram and threads and Patreon if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. Today, we have with us Gabe Lynn. Welcome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I don't see anything like saying what my lines are, so I'm just going to... No, 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 no. <laughs> you can just say hi. Okay. Cool. That, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what people don't know is that we script entirely all of our guests' lines. Gabe is the first one to improvise. Yes. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> and it's just because Gabe can't read. Um, and we're accommodating to that and we and we like to <laughs> and we like to just improv. I never learned and no one no one ever said anything. <laughs> I just draw pictures now. Yeah. <laughs> So Gabe, I actually, I saw your, your boards for the um, Mutant Mayhem movie on Instagram and they're so fun and they're so cute. And I was like, oh, we got to get Gabe on the podcast <laughs> to know about like your, your career and how you started in animation. Did you go to school for art? I did. I went to I went to CalArts, which is in uh, LA. But before that, I mean, I only spent maybe like a year or two trying to learn how to draw before getting to there. I I didn't do art in high school or anything. Oh, what did you do during that year to like get your drawing skills up there? Like, I I always love to ask this question to know, like, especially for people who are considering maybe not doing art school like what are like the ways that you can sharpen your craft it was a lot of just taking the bus to any any kind of life drawing in town which i i came from chicago and you would be surprised that what a relatively big city there was very little there was very little life drawing or like art type establishments to like do life drawing in so it was actually pretty difficult yeah, that's that's really interesting because yeah, like you said, I would have thought Chicago would have offered a, a lot of like live drawing classes. That's funny. Yeah, all the venues are being taken up by comedy. Yeah, yeah. There's all. It's yeah. only improv. <laughs> it's it's on, comedy only. No art. <laughs> yeah, it, it was maybe like I want to say probably two or three places in the city that like had regular live drawing. So I actually ran into some people that would eventually become classmates and friends because it was like the only place to draw. Oh, that's really cool. So did you mean that like you, you found, you kind of made a little community with the people that you met at Life Drawing in Chicago and then all of you guys kind of like, what's the word, like encourage each other to like pursue art? Uh, we, we, would, <laughs> we, we were all a little like introverted weirdos. So we, <laughs> we would be drawing and Life Drawing. And then from my experience, you would take notice immediately if there was anyone below the age of 40 at these live drawing sessions because most of the, most of them are just like very old artists that like mm -hmm. the, like the live drawing venues were just like artist communes that like they would hire their own uh models so you could attend it and anyone under 40 you'd be like what's this what's this kid doing here <laughs> <laughs> and uh and sometimes you'd see that maybe they have a life drawing book that's like very commonly used for like animators and you'd 
you just kind of suss out that oh, this kid's trying to get into animation and then uh over time maybe you'd start talking but we were very shy so we would say hi or maybe look at our drawings but we wouldn't talk outside (laughs) outside of life charm oh that's so funny oh that's so funny yeah but you you said you did manage i I don't know that's so you did manage eventually to just kind of like be friends right yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i relate to this it's like in in spite of yourselves in spite of yourselves although you were working against yourselves every day you you managed to magnetically (laughs) find each other yeah no i i I relate to that because i feel like when i was when i was like going to the zoo every weekend to get better at drawing animals and stuff like for the longest time i was like the only like artist kid like most of the family was just families but then I noticed there was like one guy also drawing and we, we like sussed each other out for, for like a while, for probably a month or two. And eventually <laughs> we were like, Hey, Hey, yeah. You're drawing the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just it's like, how long do you have to be next to each other before yeah, you yeah, like, but... speak up and like, yeah, because there's a lot of room and you're like, and you, and you've noticed each other and you know, you've noticed each other. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those weird, awkward social interaction especially i think like you know when you're a kid Mm -hmm. it's hard to like start the conversation even though like you both see each other drawing what is clearly like stuff tailored to become a animation portfolio so Mm -hmm. like you, you all you both know what's going on but no one wants to be the first one to to say hi you don't want to be rejected exactly Do you so you were doing life drawing? Um, is there any other kind of like exercises you were doing? You you were like prepping for your portfolio and stuff. Uh, I did, I did try to go to the zoo, but the zoo in Chicago it it could have changed, but the zoo in Chicago is incredibly depressing. Oh, it's it's not like a it's, it's not it's not their fault. I think, I've been like I live in LA now. I've been to the san diego zoo even the la zoo and they're they're both great uh but i think Mm -hmm. chicago because of just like how cold it gets the way the zoo is designed is like almost like a bunker where like half the half the animals (laughs) are in like concrete buildings and like very small spaces because they have to like keep them insulated Mm. so you you would go there and you know all the animals are just like surrounded by gray concrete and in very small like cages and uh, i'm sure they're trying their best but it wasn't uh it wasn't fun to draw them just just because a lot of them just didn't even have an adequate amount of space to to roam around well if you need to go reference sad animals you know what i mean like if you're working on like a sad animal movie on a sad animal movie i know where to like guys you know where we gotta go we gotta fly over to chicago <laughs> Wow, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, 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 there was like a year I was, I was, um, me and my sister had a book club where we were like reading all these like kind of like books that got a a prize for, for like kids literature, and there was one of the books in there that was literally about like a gorilla in a zoo, and it was so sad. It was the saddest book, and I was like, I don't want, I don't know. I was like, should kids read this like very sad book about like a gorilla in a zoo that's just kind of like exploiting animals maybe it's good for like awareness i don't know (laughs) tangent (laughs) 
so you so you you've put together your portfolio and it sounds like you you got into Calots right away right you just kind of like submitted it and um yeah i submitted it after a year of live drawing practice and uh mm. i was lucky enough to get in i think the standards there were just perfectly low enough for me to squeeze by because uh, uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember the work I submitted. It was not good. <laughs> did you do the full five years at CalArts, or did you? Because uh, I know, like, yeah, I did four people... years. I think, I think, I think the character animation program is four years. Mm. And how was your experience looking for your first gig? I I like to ask that question to see, like, how how long it took you <laughs> to to yeah, find like, that first job. Yeah, how did you transition job? from being mm -hmm. bad? having a bad portfolio to working your first animation job that's a long <laughs> that's a long way uh it's yeah, a good that's a good question i think i think i'm just constantly just skating skating by uh just barely Wait, so you're telling me that your other portfolio for the first job was also bad oh yeah it was it was bad <laughs> hell yeah let's go <laughs> <laughs> so oh, let's pull our way up. Got, we love it, yeah, dude. I, I got love stories it. for how bad that. Uh, I please tell so, it. So, <laughs> uh, also, I haven't drawn Lincoln in so long, so I'm just trying to remember. Me what, neither, dude. I does he I worked like? on the first like three seasons, and I completely forgot. Oh really? Yeah, I'm like <laughs> yeah. I don't even. I know he has a circle head, and that's about it. Yeah. Okay, so I did have I did have like an internship at Titmouse. As like my first real-ish, real-ish job, even though like it was unpaid. So I don't personally count it. Mm. But I did an internship at Titmouse for a summer. And then my first like paid like job job was at DreamWorks as a story training. I submitted a portfolio. And then after that, they had like a, kind of like a, hey, you got into the, the finalists. So here's like a story prompt. And then they said... Board a board a new sequence, a hundred panels of, with one of these prompts or whatever. And I feel like I feel I, feel, <laughs> I love these sad drawings, these sad bears. <laughs> Just gonna draw sad animals for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> uh, my prompt was just like, or like the the story I boarded was just fucking off the walls. I think I think I I boarded it in a night because. I think at that point in my life, and that's not to say I don't still do this, but I leave it until the last minute because I can't think of anything good, and then I panic, and then I I, I just go crazy over one night, and just whatever happens, happens. I feel like there's, like, two kinds of artists, and there's that one <laughs> And then version. there's that, whatever that is. <laughs> and then there's the version of, like, the, like, very type A that's like, I'm just gonna make a whole plan with a little I... schedule for myself, and I'm gonna figure it out day by day <laughs> that's so funny so i don't want to say which one i am <laughs> i think i know no, which I, one you I, are I, no i totally i'm a last minute like i'm I'm always like <laughs> listen i'm think half of the work is being done in my brain as we speak while i'm playing this video game or you know, whatever you usually <laughs> usually it's like oh like i'm doing my own drawings and i'm like thinking about this other thing or whatever and then yeah last minute i've i've, I've like but the thing is, is i've i've limit tested I've limit tested my own abilities, so I know the least amount of time it can take for me to do something and have it still be good work. And then, you know, it gets down to that time and I'm like, oh my God, okay, I gotta go beast mode. And, you know, but 
so I get it. I, I understand where you're coming from. I try yeah, not yeah. to do it. I try not to do it as much anymore, but it does happen for sure. Yeah, I I've grown a little bit in that I know what is too much for even me in one night. Yes, um, yes. and then I <laughs> I, I leave it just <laughs> enough where it's questionable sometimes, and then I'm like, oh lord, can I actually do this? But yeah, so I I boarded this test and. I wish I still had it because it was it was like maybe it was because it was just a weird idea that they responded to it and they they like asked for an interview. But what I boarded was like I boarded like this story where these kids are playing baseball in their backyard and they hit it over the fence and their neighbor is the Great Pyramids of Giza. And so they hop the fence to try to get their baseball and then the pyramid like zaps them up and there's a bunch of alien mummies in there and they take off it was like it was weird and <laughs> i think when i had turned it in i was so sleep deprived that i just sent it and then i woke up the next day to like just look at what i had sent and i was like what the hell is this <laughs> um but Girls. they seem to yeah. there was something they saw on that that they Seemed worthy to to talk to me about so that's how i got my first job oh also this is not this is not like a good thing but i was also very irresponsible with like my time management in terms of uh going to interviews so i mm. think the like they had scheduled this interview to be like at 8 a.m in their office in glendale and our school is in valencia which is maybe like 30 minutes away so I decided that it'd be cool to just party with my friends until like four or five a.m. Um, four or five, and then uh, I was like, "Okay, I've got like two hours of sleep." Uh, I took the two hours of sleep. Um, oh, I had also agreed to to drive another one of my friends from school to an interview that she was having at Disney, uh, Disney TV. So I picked her up, and we went. But I was still like a little like nauseous from the night before. So on the <laughs> on the drive to on the drive to the Burbank area, I like had to pull over on the freeway and I like just puked all over myself. And that was those were the clothes you had to go to the other interview in. Yeah. Yeah. I puked I puked on myself and then I had to rush to the studio and like hose myself off. And explain why I was soaking wet and maybe smelled sour. How did that go? I don't understand. I feel like how this is everyone's nightmare. But please, please, please be specific. <laughs> please yes. tell me. Wait, if I'm if I'm the the executive or whatever or person that's interviewing you, like, did they ask? Were were they like, did something? Uh, is it raining outside? Or <laughs> what? Um. It was, uh, I was being interviewed by three people. It was like the artist manager, um, our future like mentor who is, um, maybe, maybe, you know, him, uh, Brad Seacrest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he was going to be our mentor and then, uh, like a producer and they had like, they had the setup in their interview where I was sitting, I was sitting at a table and the, all three of them, like one face in front of me, one on one side, one on the other. So I was like surrounded and I like, I saw that mm -hmm. they like clocked. They like I looked at my like arm because I was wearing like a button up shirt trying to look nice, uh, and they had noticed that I was just like soaking wet, and 
and then they could just smell you from all sides. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like surround sound, smell of vision, like. <laughs> yeah, and my uh, my excuse was that I had spilled breakfast over myself, um, and they nice they nodded their heads and didn't say anything after. <laughs> Okay, because when you said that you showed up and you had to, like, explain yourself, I, I thought that you told the truth, and I was like... No, I would I would never tell the truth. That's a, a good quality to get hired. But I'm glad that you made it. I would never tell the truth. Yeah. And I bow it right now. Okay, so you so, so you lied, you were wet, you were covered in throw-up, yes. you, had you hadn't slept, and you were in this interview with three people. How did you convince them... To, to give this wet young man a chance. I'll be honest, I don't know how I convinced them. I don't even really remember that interview. I think I was just like so nervous uh, about just my situation and like worried that they would that they would blacklist me or something that I just I kind of talked for about 30 minutes nonstop, answered all their questions and blacked out. And I was like, what happened? I walked out, picked up my friend from Disney, and we left. <laughs> and I was like, I need to lie down. Uh, I wish I could remember even what questions were asked of me. So imagine how much you'd kill an interview if you were if, if you I, didn't have any of that go wrong. Yeah, like yeah. You, <laughs> you beat I, it on hard mode, dude. <laughs> I heard or maybe that was the secret sauce to make it happen you know maybe that's your little ritual the secret sauce <laughs> was within you all along yeah. and then you had to wash it off you know that's so crazy and then that's so um that's so awesome so you were like a trainee at dreamworks yeah it was a trainee with maybe i think five or six other people mm. how's the how long's the trainee program at, at dreamworks you know what? I don't quite remember, but I want to say it was probably like three or four months. Mm. What kind of stuff do they have you do in the trainee program? Do they like have you work on on shows or like is it like assignments? So there's like an overarching, uh, there's like an overarching assignment where they give you a bunch of rejected scripts that the studio had bought. And they're kind of mm. like, hey, pick one of these as a team. And just board, board like act one of this movie. Mm. Board it, board it. Like you don't have to stick to what the script is, but like the premise of this IP. Just try to make this into something interesting. So there was like that as like the overarching project. And then every week we would meet with uh, other departments, other shows. And they would sometimes throw us in uh, with one movie for a week to help out on like I don't know, comedy passes or something. Mm. Yeah, it was a learning experience. I think I probably would have learned more if I had just gone into another studio as just like a as a board artist or a board revisionist. Oh yeah, what do you mean? What what do you mean by that? Like, as in like? Uh, I think I think there wasn't there wasn't enough guidance for us to like learn much so we just kind of mm. we just boarded like we usually did when we were students and i see mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot of you know like if you let's say you were a board artist on like a cartoon network show like you would get immediate feedback from showrunners or directors yeah mm -hmm. there wasn't uh there wasn't like a very critical person that like after you pitch your stuff there wasn't anyone that says like i hate this <laughs> Uh -huh. uh, or like you know like hey this needs to be better so your your first gig after the trainee program was that in tv or feature 
because the training was for a feature type of the like... training was for feature and um i had joined dreamworks right when they were kind of like imploding mm-hmm. so we had we were kind of supposed like the program is supposed to be kind of like pixar where it's like hey if you're if you're good the end of this program you just join onto a movie but because they were imploding there was no movie to join so what ended up happening was like some some artists some artists left and went on to go to other studios and some of us got put Mm -hmm. into like tv because dreamworks had their like their like netflix shows that they were doing at the time Mm -hmm. and i think maybe one or two stayed on to stayed on to work in whatever shows that were available in future but there weren't many Mm. but uh overall i mean it was a fun time so what was your first feature experience and was it like a big i guess surprise in terms of like the difference of feedback (laughs) that you were used to oh yeah 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 so when i was (laughs) when i was at dreamworks i was temporarily on a feature but the feature kept getting delayed so eventually it was one of those movies that got scrapped or i think they eventually made it so uh, so i was on uh crudes 2 for a while mm. but the version of the movie that i was on uh was canned so uh i obviously didn't get any credit whenever it did get made so was that the first time something like that had happened to you was that like like a thing that you had to come to learn and, and deal with emotionally that oh yeah like large projects that you might might just get canned was that the first time yeah, that was like the first time I had even like considered that as a possibility because, you know, I feel like mm. coming out of school, I was like, we've got literally a whole production team here. We've got artists, uh, vis dev artists, uh, a whole story team. We're all doing this one thing. How how do you throw this away and just say, it? no, we're yeah. not doing this. So that was like a shocker to me. Also, just like the whole like watching the studio become on the verge of like collapse was uh something that was crazy scary as like a new new artist i feel like there was like a specific day where they announced like a lot of layoffs and uh they kept all the trainees because we were like dirt cheap but they they had fired a lot (laughs) of like the story artists and so it was just like they announced it and as the trainees were just hanging out with the rest of like the whole studio story department and everyone was just like in an office just drinking and just like commiserating like they're just no one was really saying anything we were just there drinking and like digesting the news and i was uh that was like not what i was expecting for my first uh like real job wow yeah wow for a first job dark side yeah that's so tough for a first job i feel like you know like you 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 work like so hard and then just vanishes because i feel like it's been kind of happening a lot more recently, like in the animation industry. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. if people have been on Twitter, they can like see that like a bunch of stuff got canned. And I feel like, I feel like last year, most of the sure. stuff I worked on got canned. Yeah, it definitely feels yeah. like it's been happening more frequently. Mm-hmm. My, my my first job, uh, I started working at a company and it was just a company out of a house. Then within the first year and a half that grew to 300 people working out of like three buildings and then in three years completely shut down <laughs> and it, wow. it was like I, I saw it was like seeing a a, a being come into existence and then die all, all in the like the short <laughs> like, like first job kind of like <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know like something 
I think like it definitely started happening more often when Netflix came in. It's just like mm-hmm. there was a lot of very fast booms and equally fast busts for studios that maybe poured more money into things than they should have. But it's it's rough because yeah. I wonder too if there's like I don't know, like a part of me is like there's a moment and I was like, there's just too many things getting greenlit and I feel and I was just like, are they like really like paying attention to what they're greenlighting? Yeah, they're <laughs> not. Yeah. yeah i feel like i feel like uh some like some of my friends who like joined netflix that was kind of the the vibe when they went on that hiring spree it was just like they don't even care what shows are being made they just they just want to flood the market with content wow that's so crazy but yeah like right now there's like obviously it's like very slow in animation and i feel like uh mm-hmm. i feel like it's got to be a little bit scary for for kids coming straight out of school and into this. I feel like I can sympathize just because it was it, like it was more isolated when I when I was at DreamWorks, but it's definitely like it's not a comforting feeling knowing that you've entered kind of an industry that has these moments like not super often, but it's also not it's not uncommon to have these like giant walls in animation do you feel like that kind of like having this experience so early on kind of like helped you build some resilience or like to like kind of get used to it a little bit more or like to that like uncertainty uh yeah i just i feel like it's it's definitely changed the way i approach jobs i feel like like before we started recording we we were talking a little bit and we're Mm. like talking about like me jumping from studio to studio and uh Mm. i feel like i've from that experience i've just kind of said to myself don't like don't don't depend on a studio yeah always always look out for what's best for you and if there's nothing you like at this studio it it's not like it's not bad to just jump go somewhere else and then you know if situations change then you can always return because mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like a lot of people when i when i was at dreamworks dreamworks is you know dreamworks is signing contracts for for art story artists where you would sign like a two-year or four-year contract with them and like studios don't do that mm-hmm. anymore but it was like if you sign a contract with them you're like hey i'll i'm gonna be here for four years it was like a really nice kind of uh, security yeah yeah security or like stability especially for like people who are trying to you know start families but then that like once that all collapsed you're like uh like that contract kind of means nothing yeah because that's something that's kind of interesting i feel like because i think when i was hired at sony i was at will so i don't even think it, there was like a contract there was this thing where like they hired me on a six-month tryout. Like a, I forgot if it was a, a three- or six-month tryout. So there was, like, a tryout period, and they, they like, renewed the contract. But then it was – I think it was at will, from what I remember. So it was just kind of like, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of interesting, that thing where it's, like, that's that, that has changed. That you don't yeah, – yeah, it's kind of like a gig. Yeah. Yeah, it's the gig yeah. economy. I, I, I think that most animators or people working in the animation industry can relate to the feeling of like I'm on a show, and that gives me maybe the most security that I can have. But I know that like either I'm on the show or I'm on this movie for a finite amount of time, whether that's like six months or two years or whatever it is, and then I'm 
probably going to have to figure out what I'm doing after that. Whether that mm-hmm. means checking around the studio and seeing if they can keep you on for another project or looking for another thing. It's like it is a way of being and working that not very many careers uh, can relate to, I think. Like I've talked to people who aren't in that and they're like, wait, you're like, so so what are you doing next? And I'm like, I, I don't I don't know. And they're like, are you freaking out? <laughs> and I'm like, this is, happens every single time in between the show. I'll, I'll find something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a there's probably not a lot of schools that are preparing students for that. Um, mm. Just like the amount of the amount of like instability and worry is always going to be there, and yeah. you just have to prepare for it. So like always, you know, always having like an emergency fund, like knowing that you know it might be a while in between in between jobs if. If a studio doesn't have anything lined up and you're like, okay, well, it might be months before I find something and like just kind of being at peace with that and obviously planning ahead for that because I feel like inevitably it, it happens to most people in the industry. If you're comfortable talking about that, like what's the longest stretch that you've been unemployed or like in between like uh, industry gigs? Um. So... So I've been kind of lucky in that probably now is the longest that I've ever had. And it was maybe like two months. Mm. And I was also kind of fortunate enough to like after the Ninja Turtles movie wrapped pretty soon after the producer had reached out and said, hey, we would like we'd like to make another movie. So we'd like to have you on board and them kind of like having me sign a contract for that so like unless like things change like we're slated to start next month so what's been nice it's been announced right (laughs) it has been announced but i'm always just like that that doesn't mean anything there's there's been movies that (laughs) just playing it yeah play it safe yeah yeah but like the nice part is just like they they expressed that they wanted to rehire me onto oh hello there's my cat i don't know if you guys can hear him but yes yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's so he's cute. cute he announced himself coming up he was like i'm here i'm here i'm here yeah if he if he hears <laughs> us uh either me or my fiance in a meeting for too long he comes up and starts screaming he want like he's a he's an attention hog so he if he sees that people are talking he walks over that's so cute uh-huh. though <laughs> lost my train of thought but yeah we were talking about like um yeah like they reached out to you to come back on the on the second movie the cool thing is like mutant mayhem was your first head of story experience yes how would you describe the difference between being a story artist for feature and a head of story so i think it was surprising because a head of story role was basically i like i still had to storyboard my sequences but it was a lot more like management stuff that uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but it was it was eye opening how uh, just like being in meetings for other departments and having like a little bit of input and like you know say in terms of like interacting with them and trying to work with heads of other departments and making everyone's jobs easier. But it was I enjoyed it, but it was a lot more work just because they would still assign me the same amount of boards as every other artist on the board team, so. I, I self the board uh, action sequences or I self the board uh, whatever they have that needs done. But 
in between that i'll be in meetings or uh, i'll be checking mm. in with the other artists just to make sure that they're they're doing all right and like you know if they're struggling with anything just trying to try my best to make sure that every story artist can do their best work and has like any support that they need to to get that job done which i i like i like uh jumping from thing to thing i feel like storyboarding mm. is fun but i don't know i get like both antsy and lethargic when i am bored in a sequence for too long like i get sleepy because i'm like mm-hmm. i know what i want to do in this and now it's just like very tedious drawings which i don't know i i get impatient i guess is the answer like i i'm like i know yeah. i want to make this guy do a flip and then do this thing and now it's just just like a lot of struggling to get the drawings in um mm-hmm. so breaking that up between other things was a nice change of pace for me i know we we wanted to ask if there was a noticeable difference in between working on kind of like short form or tv storyboarding in and, and then going into mo- movies and and film uh feature length i've heard that the storyboarding process is different uh, certainly stretched longer um but what what would you say were the biggest things to like either get used to or 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 try to figure out process wise that that maybe were different uh yeah yeah we were talking about this a little earlier and um we're talking about how i feel like there's it's obviously two different ways of boarding but i guess in tv uh you have a shorter schedule but there's just by the nature of it there's less room for for changes so usually uh in my experience like i would you know i'd have like two two weeks maybe three depending on the show uh to to board the episode and then i'd get notes from the showrunner and then i'd have another week or two to adjust fix it and that's the episode that's it and the time frame depending on the show is like that can get pretty pretty crazy but also it's kind of a relief knowing that after that time frame is done it's like it's done there's no going back yeah. and uh like we were talking i was talking to V about it and like feature is just constantly just redoing redoing sequences sometimes it's like complete redos sometimes it's just like small changes and it's like a weird it's like it almost feels like a marathon where sometimes mm-hmm. they assign you like giant very time-consuming sequences and like every artist knows that there's no way this sequence is getting into the movie you know it's like seven pages long for just like a really obscure idea and you're like i I still have to do it i have to do this seven pages and then i have to do notes on it and like just knowing that you're basically doing useless work but you still have to give it your best Mm -hmm. because there's like Mm -hmm. you know like there's always just the off chance that some of this gets used so like that's always like something that i personally have a hard time with i'm just like god damn it like there's no way this there's no way this gets in why am i spending my time on this and then uh inevitably it gets cut like most of the time i feel like board artists know what is actually useful in a story but mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta like do the work even when you know it's stupid just because like someone else needs to realize it's stupid 
I think it's really, no, it's really great that you highlight that because I feel like this is something that's not really talked about in feature when you look at all these like behind the scenes and all that and they make it look like you just kind of draw a beautiful sequence and then they just like, they're like, oh, this is beautiful. Just add a little touch here and there. And then it just kind of goes in and it's like, no, that's really not the process at all. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, so I just came back from, uh, there was a film festival type thing in in mexico pixelatl and uh Mm -hmm. i gave a talk on that it was really it was really slapdash because uh uh originally it was like supposed to be me and kyler the co-director and we were going to talk about the movie but then uh kyler wasn't able to go so it was just me and i was like oh now i gotta create this whole presentation out of thin air and Mm -hmm. i like just grabbed a hard drive of some of my files and I tried to figure out what I was going to talk about. And what I ended up talking about was like what we're talking about now, which is just the idea that uh, the sequences you see artists post and like stuff you see in the final product for Mm -hmm. feature takes like months because like there's like, you know, maybe six or seven different versions of this thing. Multiple artists have touched it. Sometimes uh, it gets thrown away, and then mm-hmm. when the writers or directors kind of decide where they want to go in the story, then sometimes some things get brought back, and it's just like it's a lot of just putting putting out just a massive amount of work, seeing what sticks, changing it, mm-hmm. and then it, I feel like a lot of people probably don't realize that when they see artists post it because they just see the final product. And I was trying mm-hmm. my best to convey that. Uh, like me even me posting stuff on instagram you know that was like multiple iterations worth um and like other artists helped give me ideas for it so it's just it's not the first try type of thing mm. well, uh, i've heard from uh people uh, working in feature that sometimes there's situations where they'll work on like like say like the first half or something of the feature and then by the time it comes out there's absolutely nothing that they even touch that uh, is that is in the movie? Has has that ever happened? To you? Is that has that ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's happened to me. <laughs> I, oh, no. Let's see. Like, uh, I worked on the Grinch movie for a little while, and nothing I did got into the final screening. So, uh, Illumination was a little different. Where if you had worked it for a set amount of time on the project, then you get credit. If not, then mm-hmm. they give you credit mm-hmm. based on how much of your work shows up on screen. And because I didn't wow. have a lot, or I had like nothing that showed up, uh, basically, I just didn't get credit for being on the movie. Oh my god. That's one of the things that is so scary sometimes with feature is that credit is like so dependent on the studio philosophy. Like for the longest yeah, time. Yeah. They're not obligated to give you credit. Yeah, it's I for the longest I was like really scared I was I wasn't gonna get credited for a Spider Verse too. <laughs> I was like telling everybody I don't know, but because I wasn't there for I was there for only for a year and a half. So only for that's a, a year that's and a, a half long ass is, time. is yeah. so funny. Yeah, yeah. Only no, but for a year and a half that's not. It's a long time, but they but we started in 2019, and the movie came out this year yeah like that's like four years it took four years i will say so, yeah like i think if you were yeah. at dreamworks or illumination you probably wouldn't get credit because 
Uh, yeah. Like, I'm sure the story changed drastically from when you were on it to what when. I feel like the story didn't change like crazy. Oh, okay. Like when I. Yeah, it, it was. It that's kind of like I I was there during the, the major changes of the story, and so I remember some of the stuff that I boarded. I did like a first like draft of a s- certain sequences, and they're, they're in the movie. They're not exactly how I boarded them, obviously, because it went through a lot of artists. But like a lot of the stuff that I remember seeing when I was there is still in the movie. It didn't. It didn't oh, like. Okay. It didn't change as much as a as I thought it would change, if that makes sense. Like I would, I was expecting to go in the theater and see a completely different movie from what I saw when I was on the show. Okay. That's actually, that's actually, I feel like very, very rare because I feel like for, for Ninja Turtles, like even our production schedule was like pretty short in terms of feature. I think we, like, I think I was one of the first board artists to join and from when I joined to final, it was maybe like two, two and a half years. Uh, and, mm. and like within the first year, we had a movie up. But by the end of the by the end of production, it was like a completely different movie. So all those like all the boards from the first version was pretty much gone, mm. except for maybe a few shots. Oh, wow. And I feel like that's in my per- like in my personal career is like mm. the common thing where it's like oh like the first year or two they're throwing all of that out so mm. for a lot of studios it's just kind of up to their good graces of like if they're willing to give artists who are there for the first year or two credit if they leave um and i know i know like illumination generally didn't mainly because probably they have that their whole bonus structure thing and they don't they don't want to pay. Oh, they don't, yeah. They don't want to mm-hmm. pay too many people. <laughs> yeah, I have some friends that like stayed at Illumination for a very long time because of the the bonuses. They can be pretty good. Yeah, um, but like, I guess what what sucks is just like you have to be on the movie, uh, like you have to get credit on the movie that does well. And like, mm. to be fair, a lot of their movies do very well. But yeah, like um uh what was it like i i was on secret life of pets and that movie did like by every other studio's standards probably it did pretty well and even then like the bonus was like okay it was like probably not worth the pay cut that i think i took because illumination uses that bonus incentive as a way to try to bargain your salary down they're like, hey, if you mm-hmm. if you stick around and your movie makes a billion dollars, you'll make a lot more money. You'll make a lot more money, and this is why we want to pay you slightly less. Uh, but if your movie doesn't do a billion dollars, then your bonus doesn't exactly make it worth it. Oh man, <laughs> studio. <laughs> so when you really think about it, you're like, oh my gosh, these. <laughs> these techniques but they're all different though they're all like um they all like work differently in terms of like their pay philosophy i guess or like how they try to retain their talent and and stuff <laughs> yeah so i think i think that we've we've talked about a lot of things that they're maybe a little bit scary or or, or might make <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. not want to work on feature films doom. but what are some things that you really what are what are some things that you 
really like or some things that you've really had fun doing that uh that are a part of making a feature film like things mm-hmm. reasons why you why you like it oh yeah, yeah. i could talk a lot, a lot about that especially i think in the ninja turtles i think it's been by far the best production i've been on both like in terms of the crew That's and awesome. the mm-hmm. just how the crew got along but also it was a very in my experience it was a very healthy work environment like occasionally we'd have to put in some overtime but very very rarely actually and uh i i really appreciate that and some stuff that i really liked from that and in general i guess in feature is that as a general rule that you we have a bigger budget so mm-hmm. some of like some of the stuff that you want to do some of the ideas that you have you can do and it's like it's a little freeing to have just almost like uh someone give you a script and be like here it is go crazy make it the coolest best thing that you can possibly do because um like i remember i remember being a trainee at dreamworks and then being put onto like their netflix shows like they they weren't like the cheapest shows but even then i like a lot of my storyboard notes were just like budget budget notes they're like this is too expensive an idea. Uh, let's cheat it. Let's like, uh, we have a character stepping in a puddle. Water effects are too expensive. We could maybe let's like let's have like let's shoot it so that he's like stepping on a puddle off screen, and we just have the sound effects. And you're like, man, this is lame. It's it's just like a lot of like camera cheats. The puddle's to... frozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like a lot of that where it's just like let's just try to let's let's like not show it but like have sound effects or uh let's think of like another creative solution to not have to spend money on this and like that that mm-hmm. was interesting in its own right but it was always frustrating because you're like but like the solution we have isn't as good as just the the first idea which was like this thing that doesn't feel like it like should be that challenging but like you know I'm not the one with the with the budget books, so that's like that's like yeah. hands down the no- most noticeable thing for me is just like being a little bit less hampered down by just yeah. like m- like money constraints. Like we still we still had have meetings about like this is too expensive for Ninja Turtles, but less so than for sure. Than what is too expensive for Ninja Turtles? Like it, it, like how ridiculous. <laughs> of an idea mm-hmm. what does it have to be to be too expensive uh, for ninja turtles cuz i'm curious <laughs> well so like even for ninja turtles our movie is relatively modestly budgeted so i think our budget was like 70 million which is on par yeah. with illumination films which is crazy because when you think about it it like yeah it's like such a it's it's kind of a feat in terms of how it looks like you know i feel like ninja turtles is the only uh movie besides spider-verse that has like a look that pushes the boundaries of cg yeah yeah i was i was actually surprised that our budget was that small i thought for sure Mm -hmm. that like just the visuals that we had would balloon this into some like massively like over budgeted movie that will be a huge flop for reference like a movie like um spider-verse is more like 
250 million so it's like it's like three times more um just for the audiences i'm just i think uh, the most recent one wasn't it like 150 or something like they originally said it was 100 but then like later on they kind of said 150 but it's within that uh, range. maybe 150 yeah i think yeah because i feel like two maybe 250 is one of the maybe it's more like disney yeah i know budgets. for sure mm-hmm. uh for anyone listening i think like Disney movies are by far the most expensive animated films out there. They're like two hundred million to to maybe two fifty for some of the the crazier ones. Like I know Lightyear, mm-hmm. Elemental, all that stuff was two hundred, at least two hundred million. Yeah, they're just they're very expensive and they're very like graphics intensive. You know, there's a lot of effects, and like we we had to find ways to cheat that or like trying to find ways mm-hmm. to make unique visuals within within our budget you're just watching Lightyear, and there's like so many puddles the whole movie there's yeah 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 that's... you're just like clenching your fists you're like that added easily 50 million dollars to their budget they should have they should have talked to me i would have told them not to now i think that's the thing is like in 3d some of the stuff like if you if you work in like um in 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 tv and your show is CG. One of the first things that production will tell you is like, like no, no effects. Like, yeah, like like water, fire, smoke. All of these are like crazy expensive. Yeah, is also crazy expensive. And um, obviously sets, like big sets, are like crazy hard to render. And then how do they call call it like collusion or something? Like when when for example. You can have water, but a character going into the water is insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, that was another one of my notes where uh <laughs> like it was like the season finale of some like I think it was the the King Julian show. And the mm. season finale had like a giant robot and like we had we had to have the main characters like destroy it. So like we were like, Hey, what if he goes into the ocean and explodes? And like <laughs> The producer was like, "We can't have him. We can't have him touch the water. So we'll we'll have a close up shot of his foot, like just like oh, his foot was like just about to touch the water, and uh-huh. then we cut to a wide shot where the characters are just staring at the monster, but you never see the monster, and you just hear the explosion. And it was the lamest thing I've ever seen, where." <laughs> It was just like you guys just you didn't show any of the the cool ending. You just you just you just showed it all off screen, and um, that's so funny. Yeah, it was just like boom, you hear it, and then and then they're they're just I don't know. It was one of those things that convinced me that I did not like I did not like being constrained to that extent because like I think yeah. I think having constraints is really good uh, for, like, creativity and just, like, forcing you to have some parameters to work around. But I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, some things that are, like, you gotta, you gotta show them, you gotta show these things, you gotta show them exploding, like, you can't just hide mm-hmm. everything with cheats. Yeah, I yeah. feel like your whole life you're just gonna build up this desire to like I want like everything to be in water, so many splashes, and like someday you're just gonna make a movie that's just it's just like it's mostly water. <laughs> it's just mostly yeah. puddles, <laughs> it's battles in water, it's like we're it's, uh, yeah, I'm it's gonna, gonna make so Aquaman do it. Uh, whenever they <laughs> reboot the DC universe. 
I'm going to pitch <clears throat> that it, it'll be animated. Little Mermaid, we can't have any of it in water, okay? We have to have her already out of the water starting at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And then and then you, her hair is just like like a a cap on her yeah, head. Yeah, we we, we like have to Lego have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to have we'll tie down her hair. It's in a really tight <laughs> bun. It's not moving at all. There's no water. <laughs> That's why you, when you think about it, like Elemental, like the Pixar movie, it feels like it's definitely them being like, look at our engine. Look yeah, at how, yeah, yeah. how well we can do all these effects. Look at how good <laughs> like our fire is. But it's yeah. also so silly because it's like giant robot. Okay. Water splash. Not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like like it, you'd think it would be the opposite. No, but when you think about it, though, in Mutant Mayhem, when so i don't think it's a big spoiler i feel like everybody who's listening to this must have seen the movie but at the end of the movie when <clears throat> um super superfly grabs all of the animals and yeah. becomes this like kind of like al almost like a giant robot like a bio robot i guess like a bio mech yeah. um that must have been pretty insane to build right i, I remember seeing the movie and i was like i don't know how they pulled that off because you can't yeah. <laughs> see all the <laughs> yeah I, I think that eventually probably was a budget issue i remember <laughs> i remember we had sequences where like the turtles were running up the the mega mutants back and like all the animals were like moving characters like it was basically just like this weird the thing amalgamation of like just mutated animals trying to like grab them and drag them into the body and it was very cool but like just the i feel like just the technical like idea of having like a set that like is alive and having the characters move in it was too much but they are kind of moving though oh yeah they're definitely moving but like you we can't yeah. like we never like zoomed in super close and like had them interact with it okay mm -hmm. so i i'm pretty sure that was like a budget thing or like it was also we we also had a lot of like time constraints because um because we had that vendor studio Migros, um mm. who are like insanely talented and jeff and kyler were very adamant about like and, and, like, to their credit, they were also very, like, very firm with, like, what they can and can't do. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think, like, we had a lot of, like, near the end moments where they would say, we're not doing this, or, like, we this is impossible. And then we it would be up to us to try to find a solution or, in some cases, <laughs> um, being like, okay, if we, what if we, what if we take a this other shot in this other sequence maybe like if we take away this from from your list like would you be willing to do this for this other sequence it was a lot of bargaining which i thought was very interesting so you were in these meetings as well as the story as the head of story uh i was in like the meetings to in terms of discussing what we really wanted to keep and like mm. what jeff specifically was like I'm willing to give this up. Uh, and then just like the meetings where them kind of passing on to the producer for them to go handle later. But mm. it, was, uh, it was definitely something I've never seen before. And it was very interesting. 
and I personally, I personally like it. I think like treating the vendor studio and all the people who work at that vendor studio like they're a part of the team, and less and less like, uh, hey, we we paid you to do this, now do it, type of thing that mm-hmm. some yeah some other productions have done in the past. I, I think I I personally like this method better. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really nice too that like you guys were able to have like that conversation. And the movie still came out great. It looks really awesome. Thank you. But yeah, there was a lot of a lot of give and take near the end. Um oh yeah, mm. one of the budget things was I think one of the borrowers, Jacob Strahlin, had boarded the ending where Mega Mutant explodes and it was the way he had it explode was so cool and like he blows up and there's like goo and weight like a like mist of like blue air everywhere and it was like very cool to see in storyboards but it was another one less it was like almost like the puddle thing where you're like this is too mm-hmm. complicated and expensive to have uh goo and mist like go through every street in new york city uh type thing um did you have to choose goo or mist? How many times do you have to make that choice in your life? You know I mean? <laughs> we, <laughs> we ended up having to choose nothing. We just like, he was just going to blow up in this one oh. shot. And then we show the animals scattering, um, which like. There's people watching it. that are like, there should have been goo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're they're like, no, no I can't unsee it. Uh, <laughs> no, this is a, there's no goo. This here. was a budget. This was a budget cut. Um, it took me right out of the movie. There's no goo. <laughs> There's no goo. Yeah, <laughs> there was plenty of goo in that movie. No, I feel yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny it though. Could have been more though. That would be so funny if that's like the the one thing that breaks the suspension of disbelief. It's just Ron like... Tomatoes review: No goo. Um, sorry. <laughs> during in the explosion, no goo. That's so yeah. That's so interesting. Like, would you feel like? Do you feel like you you guys had to like make decisions a little quicker on that movie because it's like like almost. Not a smaller scale movie, but like like you said, it's like a smaller type of budget, like compared to some other like movies that you've been on. Maybe like like I don't know. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think compared to other films I've been on, this was much faster paced. So, and, and it was one of those movies where sometimes sometimes studios are pretty lenient in terms of like we could move this deadline back a little, but Ninja Turtles is such a toy heavy franchise Mm. that it was impossible. Like at every meeting that we were in, it would always be a producer saying like, this is the deadline. It's literally impossible because, you know, I don't know, like Walmart is already like it's in their slate. They're going to release the toy on this day. You cannot delay it. Like, not even for a day or a week. Um, and it was just, like, the hard deadline was nice. It, like, made us make decisions faster. Mm. Whereas I think some other movies just kind of... Sometimes they get delayed for... Because, like, they're like, it's not ready yet. Um, that happened on, like, Spider-Verse too. Like, I think, I think they forgot... I think they forgot to tell Target. I forget if it was Target or Walmart. But there was, like, a... There was like a big uh distribution chain that put out the Spider Punk toys. Oh, really? Before the movie came out, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's like that was supposed to be a big reveal in the movie, but the toys came. Out. I remember that. Oh, that's crazy. I feel like yeah, for, <laughs> were, were for people the, freaking out? Yeah, 
I I don't know if they were freaking out. I don't know if people just knew it was like Spider Verse related or what. I just remember seeing the tweets and I was like, well, that's odd. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I think I think it went kind of unnoticed. Fortunately, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe they're less concerned about the merchandising than like say Ninja Turtles. I feel like merchandising is like mm-hmm. their whole thing over on Turtles. Yeah, that's really cool. I wanted to ask you too, like kind of what's your philosophy as a leader, as like you uh taking care of your team, um doing handouts or like yeah, uh managing your team. Good question. Um I'm kind of I think from my experiences I've just been kind of trying to pick out the stuff I like from, you know, from Jeff and Kyler and every other director that I've worked with, like, there's stuff that I like in terms of the way they communicate and also, like, the way they run their crews. And something that I personally like is just being relatively hands-off. I feel like uh, there's been movies I've been on where the head of story is checking in with me, you know, multiple times a week. And, mm. um, and, and like whether they mean to or not, I feel like that creates this, like, pressure that, like, oh, every every couple of days, I need to have something new worth showing. And, mm. you know, like, when you're given a week or two to make a sequence, sometimes it takes a while to put put the ideas together. And sometimes for when I was on those shows, like, I I would feel this pressure and then I would just kind of scribble out shittier ideas just so that i could have something to show in two days uh, versus mm. like maybe like at on turtles where we just we're just kind of hands off and then in a week we was just like we'll see you we'll see you at the pitch and if you have any questions you know just shoot us a message and i found that trusting your team yeah yeah it's bit, like you right? you hired them you should know what they do and like you should like what they do so just trust that they're professionals and that they're going to turn mm-hmm. turn in quality work and uh that's my general stance i like i don't i don't like to be overbearing just because i don't like overbearing people but mm. beyond that it's just like i feel like uh i feel like the head of story role sometimes maybe students think that the head of story is the best board artist on the team and that's very not the case uh especially for me um there, there's so many talented board artists on our team but like i don't know just trying your best to make sure that everyone else looks good is important to me so mm. like sometimes sometimes i'll just be messaging the other artists and on their scene and i'll be like uh seeing them pitch before the actual meeting a, a few days before and then be like oh this could be really cool if we did this instead and just trying to up their sequences whenever possible. Um, and then, and then if it bombs, like for me, I'm like, I'm the first one to be like, that was actually my idea. I told him to do that. Don't, don't get mad at the board artist. This, I, I just thought it'd be funny if he, if he did this. And sometimes I, from my experiences, whenever, whenever people in leadership positions take that hit, it's, it's like a confidence booster that like you're never on the chopping block yes um yeah because like cool. yeah sometimes like sometimes uh like some other head of stories i've had they they don't help out or 
they they suggest some ideas and then sometimes like you know those ideas bomb when you pitch and mm-hmm. they're they're just in the back of the room uh with the director and then the director is like you know talking about stuff he doesn't like and it's uh it's just a little disheartening because you're like these weren't even my ideas or you know stuff like that and like obviously you're a professional you can't you can't be like actually this was his idea he told me so i always try to make it a point to take the blame whenever i can and then also like give credit whenever i can um i feel like giving credit is like a really big deal to me because a lot of times like artists will have great ideas and then you know in a meeting everyone's throwing out ideas and some of them stick but then after the meeting people forget whose ideas this was and i'm like i i'm like personally i'm just always trying to remember who who came up with this because at like at the bare minimum i always am trying to give them credit whenever if i if i post something and i'm like this one part in my sequence was this person's idea I want to give everyone credit for for stuff they contributed because a lot of stuff can get lost during production. Yeah, and I feel like, like you said, I think it like helps build morale and it also kind of builds like a certain type of like loyalty also between like the crew and the leadership um, when people kind of like own up to um, like either like like you said like oh okay like i i i told the crew to do this or like oh yeah that that was the board artist's idea and like you know kind of like celebrating the like little victories yeah i feel like there's a lot of so a lot of stress coming up with boards sometimes and pitching it and any mm-hmm. in any scenario where i can be like this guy just did something so cool and like hype them up in front of like the rest of the crew. I I'm like I feel like at the very least that'll just make them feel nice and it'll just make make the work feel a little bit more bearable when when like things get hard. But then like, mm. you know, at at its best, I feel like, you know, it could make them feel more confident and like they start doing even better work because now they're like, "Man, I'm so good. I I made the whole room laugh and everyone knows that it was my idea." Mm. I don't know. So it's like Stuff like that is really important to me. That's really awesome. I love that. We got quite a bunch of questions, actually, from our listeners. So I was thinking, like, yeah. maybe we could jump to that. Sure. And, if the, and if there's a lot, we could always do a little bit of, like, speed round. Like, give a few, you know, like, a yeah. one-sentence answer if there's too many. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch. So from our, from our patron, uh, Claire underscore the Rose. Uh, mutant mayhem story felt very traditional and yet a parody of traditional storytelling principles at the same time how did you and your team manage that balance also wonderful work by the way thank you i'll be honest i have i have no idea (laughs) i feel like um (laughs) i feel like there's so many moving parts in production that for the most part the story team is literally just holding on to their butts because they're like we we get like we just get we'll get like a new pass of the script every every once in a while and it's just like uh everyone's just boarding as fast as you can to hit the deadline and then it goes in the edit and then edit changes it a bit and then by the time we see it in a screening there's very noticeable differences in the story structure and like even the the sequences that we boarded and it's just, it's always interesting to see how things change between 
the boarding process, the edit process, and like even layout. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I I feel like I've talked with friends about it where I'm like I want to be on a really good show so that I can see what the hell they even did because like I've only been on very bad or mediocre shows and I'm just <laughs> like what what's like how did they do it and I feel like the the answer is like no one no one fucking knows because I feel like mm-hmm. the very first Spider Verse was kind of the same where. It, it was it just i from from the artists that i've talked to it's just like it was a giant mess and everyone was like this is a disaster mm-hmm. this movie's terrible and then like at the very last second you know they they worked it all up in, in edit and it turned out to be a great movie and it was just one of those things where and, and there's a lot of disney movies that do the same where it seems like it's bad until it's not and everyone comes out of the screening being like what the hell just happened because now it's good <laughs> and that kind of happened with us too where uh, there was a lot of very like variations of this movie where we came out of the screening like being like man this doesn't really work or this like this whole story arc doesn't work and then at some point like it it started working and then everyone got really excited and we just kept working on it from there but i couldn't tell you like I couldn't tell you like how that process happened. It's got to be just like obviously a good director and a good edit team, but like even then, it's never really guaranteed or clear cut how that is done. It just it happens. You you see all the right pieces and it clicks, and then the whole team goes from there. Yeah. What was uh yeah like you you've worked on a few like you've worked on a few films or something like what's your experience been like? I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I guess it really it really it really depends on 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 the team and on the script that you start out with. I I worked a little bit on a feature where I read the script and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty solid." And I was like, "I can see this as a movie." I was like, "Okay, the script like there's some there's some parts that definitely need like some massaging to just kind of make it really shine, but you know, you read the script and you're like, yes, this is a movie. Yeah. And then <laughs> and there's sometimes there's like you read the script and you're like, oh boy. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, this is going to, this has <laughs> to become a movie at some point, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like, uh, sometimes the, the movies with really good scripts still turn out bad somehow. I feel yeah. like, uh, I don't know. There's just. There's a, there's like so many moving parts in animation that it's just anything can go wrong and like just derail the whole thing in terms of quality but then also like one one part can just like start going right and then everyone feeds off of that and starts making like a very nice movie mm-hmm. and I I wish they were, <laughs> I wish like I knew how that process happened and like what causes the good movies to be good because if i knew i would be writing a book right now i feel like there's also i feel like when you have someone like who has like a really strong point of view or like a strong sense of like direction like in in like directors or like producers that kind of helps a lot like when you have you know like rather than like you know some because sometimes that can also happen when you 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 have like leadership that's just kind of like eh i don't know (laughs) 
figure it out like do something yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> that's a little trickier yeah definitely i think like a strong like voice in like a leadership mm. role is crazy important oh this is a really cool question that we got from instagram from kylie del what what was something you learned will carry with you in your career in the future from working on mutant mayhem i feel like our team specifically vibe very well together and i have some like opinions on why that is but i think our team was very good at communicating and just being very mm. open with each other in terms of like how how their own work was going but also just like how how they were feeling about certain things what they're struggling with or story artists being very vocal about how they think the movie is what they think is bad and like obviously like offering up suggestions and it's definitely something that i'm trying to like still internalize so that i can obviously move that on to the next production yeah i don't know i'm just always i'm always looking for those things where i'm like how can i make the next movie i work on better or like more more enjoyable for everyone else that's really sweet i love that um, we have a really cool question from uh, Thea Driosa. Do you get to explore any natural spaces whenever you take a break from the chaos of the industry? <laughs> what are your favorite places and how does it help you recharge and ready yourself to take on more work? Oh, another good question. I need to take more vacations because I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. Like this was probably between Ninja Turtles and whenever we start the next one i think in the coming month um that was like the longest break and even then i was doing freelance and uh i i think it's partially because because of uh when i started i was at dreamworks and i was witnessing like a studio on the verge of collapse but i was always like uh, i gotta always be working i gotta be doing something because shit's gonna hit the fan at any moment all the time and i'm always just like paranoid about it but i i feel like i need to definitely take more breaks because i think when ninja turtles wrapped i didn't realize how burnt out i was until i started trying mm. to do freelance and it was mm. like the most exhausting thing just starting the freelance uh and, and like the work wasn't particularly challenging and it was like you know this is i was telling myself i was like this is stuff i've done a lot of times before i don't know why i'm having such a hard time just doing this like pretty simple ports and uh i think it took me a while to realize that i was just, i was just exhausted and so after i finished the freelance uh i took a i took an actual break mm. we used uh we used this trip to for my talk at pixelado we used it as like uh, a vacation so me and my fiance uh danny ducker um we went we went and we just kind of I prepared for the talk, but for most of the week, I was like, we should just try to go on our own thing, find some cool places to eat, and just relax. And it was very nice. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can do a little bit more of that before we, before I start up again. That's so cool. Yeah, that's that's that was like a that was a really cool answer. I hope you do manage to get <laughs> to take more vacation. It's hard. It's hard to allow, like yourself as an artist you like take time off i think yeah 
I feel like this year was kind of like the best year to kind of like take time off because it's like so crazy yeah, <laughs> in the industry. That definitely <laughs> yeah. helped where it was almost like, you know what? It's <clears throat> it's hard just to find a job right now. So I'm just going to use that to my advantage and mm-hmm. make it into like a forced break. Um, and just like kind of kind of having the confidence that I'm like, you know what? I'll get a job eventually. Just don't freak out about it for now. And uh, yeah. I was lucky enough to like have enough saved up where I could afford to take a, an extended break if I needed to. Well, I'm manifesting vacation for you in these in these oh, you relaxing drawings. I love that Ooh. little drawing that you did of Gabe in the in the grass. It's so cute. Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> we have a bunch of Twitter questions that are also great from at Dimstoodles on Twitter. What can underexperienced board artists do to improve their character acting abilities and not rely too heavily on stock choices? I feel like in terms of acting, it's kind of the same as like animators where if you have like a little mirror or something, you can just record yourself or look in the mirror and just do some small acting cuz I feel like I feel like sometimes you you do default to like just like oh i'm just gonna have him when he's nervous just have him kind of scratch the back of his head like this like this this thing that i feel Mm -hmm. like you know it's like it's really easy and it it reads but like sometimes if you just do it yourself you're like oh this is how i would do it i'm like a little you know like a little bit different and it's like enough um, yeah, I usually that. just record That's myself good. and I pee my pants, and then, <laughs> uh, and then I draw myself peeing my pants, and yeah, and then and the studios really are nice always like, "Man, this guy performance. always pees his pants. What is up with this guy?" Yeah, he came into the interview and his pants were peed, <laughs> and and we were like, uh, "Did it was it raining or something?" And and I was like, "No, I just uh, I spilled some breakfast on myself." And they're like, "You're hired." <laughs> Call back. <laughs> full circle baby (laughs) Sean is so great at the at this it's like (laughs) like and you make it sound scripted it's amazing (laughs) we've established Uh, that this is scripted yeah V&I's performance is scripted I just am so impressed by your improv on this episode Uh, it's fantastic and I think the last Twitter question I'm going to ask from at gravy underscore Navy is, were there any cinematic or thematic rules set for how the boards on Mutant Mayhem were laid out? I think that's kind of interesting. Did you guys kind of like have like, have some references? Kind of Because like, I've been kind of like in rooms sometimes when they're like, oh, it's going to be a little Edgar Wright and like mixed with a little like... Wes Anderson and this and that, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a great question. I think when we first started the movie, we had some we had some films that uh, the directors really wanted to use as uh, inspiration. And then they were they're all live action. So a lot of the stuff I feel like that you see very typical in animation is that the camera the camera moves in like an impossible way sometimes where it's like spinning around the characters while they're flying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's really Mm -hmm. fantastic, but I think the the directors wanted ours to be slightly more grounded to uh, a lot of the films we're referencing were kind of like handheld and almost, almost like a documentary where it's like, 
your the camera feel like originally was like oh it's got to feel like you're just you've got a camera and you're in the same room as the turtles and you're just kind of observing them do these things um Mm. and eventually it, it slightly changed once we started to do action because i think action cinematography sometimes same thing the camera language can vary a lot but i think animation camera language is a lot of crazy crazy camera movements and like a lot of dutch angles um i'm i have like a personal vendetta against dutch angles i hate them so much <laughs> yeah, um, yeah 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 but, but like well they make all animation stuff very hard yeah. like like once you start adding a bunch of dutch angles and then like how do you are you going to reuse that Dutch angle ever? Yeah. Like, is it, it, it throws economic film animation making out the window. There's all sorts of stuff. It's also like so campy. I feel like there's like, you can use the Dutch angles if you're like doing some kind of like a super campy kind of like spoof type of movie. But I, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's so. Yeah. And, and like our know. movie does, we definitely have Dutch angles and like tilted cameras, but for sure less so than i would say uh a lot of animated movies and i feel like i just remember when i was in school we had um we had a like a perspective and layout teacher and his name is dan hansen and i think one time we had to do layouts and like you know some kids were doing dutch angles because you know they want to do something different something more dramatic and like he he went on like a small tirade about it because he was like he took like he just took a picture like a portrait or something and then he just like put it on the wall and he said this is a nice picture and then he like just like tilted it on the wall and it's like now is this is this more dramatic is this picture more dynamic for you guys and it kind of highlighted how i feel like a lot of kids think that you know tilting the camera and making everything diagonal lines makes things more dramatic when there wasn't a lot of thought put into it they just like they're mm-hmm. like oh this is a this scene needs to be more intense i'm gonna tilt the camera now and uh i think my personal thing was just like always trying to avoid that unless like there was a, a real reason for it and i think we opted more for locked cameras kind of referencing like jackie chan films there was a film mm-hmm. that i really liked referencing which is kung fu hustle Mm-hmm. man that movie's so good it's so know. good mm-hmm. it's so it's like the action is so good and it's also just like a really great it's so silly really great comedy movie and it was like yeah. it, it was all there's a lot of stuff in there that i thought could be useful for you know a ninja turtles movie it's like it's action but we wanted to be funny i totally i totally saw that in that scene when splinter comes in to uh save the turtles and i was like "Ooh, this is a great s- sequence because it's finally a sequence in animation where they did what because i feel like a lot of people are like "Ooh, just like jackie Ch-, like you know because of like the every right. frame of painting so everyone's like just like jackie chan movies and then it and then they cut a million times and then it's not like jackie chan movies yeah, but like yeah. that sequence there where splinter comes in and it's like the right amount of comedy and you you can read all the action and it made me so happy it's such a great sequence oh, yeah i really <clears throat> i really enjoyed working on stuff like that i feel like um the highest compliment was like I think someone on Twitter was like I, I bet you Jackie Chan, uh, 
consulted or like helped choreograph oh, this and we're like oh that's, that's sweet he w- definitely did not because he'd probably make us pay him a, a billion dollars for it but uh, <laughs> I, I i was wondering um like as in at both an action fan and a comedy fan a comedic action fan i was wondering if there were any little step uh, steps or reminders that you and the board team would give yourselves um to make sure that oftentimes with action scenes now i, f- I feel like there is you accidentally shift to everything being really 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 cool mm-hmm. like like the coolest possible anime fight scene kind of thing yeah and how did you kind of keep it like put like like hey it's, we, we just had a bunch of cool shots but nothing is fun funny <laughs> has has had nothing funny or sloppy or you know, whatever has has happened in the scene like slapstick or anything um is, is there a way that that you guys would check yourselves on that a little bit. So I don't think there was like a standout like rule that we were like we had on our documents and like let's do this. But mm, yeah. But I think every everyone that was doing an action sequence was really good about I guess first and foremost trying to board the action sequence in context with like the story. So Okay, um, good. Yeah. So, so like the very first fight scene was that was in the movie that I worked on was that chop shop fight, and like the whole point of that was that the Ninja Turtles had never fought villains before; they weren't good at it. So, um, like that fight needed to be more chaotic. Um, like that one had more camera moves and like just trying to add to that chaotic energy of uh, just like you know. Uh, having the camera follow them all around as they're running around uh, a chop shop that's like slowly set on a fire, um, and then the like the another scene after that that um, John Jackson boarded one of my favorite sequences was like uh, the no diggity like montage thing where it, they're just like fighting a bunch of villains but it's like time cut so they're all doing the exact same choreography. But so like you match cut it and like it's such a beautiful sequence and like he came up with that idea himself and it just worked so perfectly so cool. uh, mm-hmm. to, to the, just the idea of like trying to show a montage and an action scene at the same time uh, and it worked great and it was just the only times where it didn't work was probably actually the splinter fight. I think we struggled with that one the most and it was kind of what mm. you were talking about Sean where the pre like the first couple iterations we had uh didn't work and they didn't work because we made splinter too badass and it mm. turned into okay yeah it turned into him just like beating the shit out of people for like five minutes and there was like i think in action sequences in my opinion at least uh like there's there should be a story like it doesn't have to be a super complex but there's gotta be yeah. some kind of like thing that defines the characters fighting and like what they're thinking or feeling but also like i think there's every fight sequence has to have some kind of like flow or rhythm to it so like um i feel like a lot of kung fu movies there's like they're fighting and there's like a back and forth of like the the hero losing the fight and then like slowly clawing his way back and there's like a there's like a pacing that's really hard to describe but you'll i feel like most people will recognize when the pacing's off or if there's mm-hmm. no back and forth within the fight because like what ended so, up happening uh sorry go ahead 
No, no, no. I, I was just going to ask. So, what did you find to be the the problem? What was the solution in the Splinter fight? It, was it like making it finding a way to make it funnier, or adding a story, or? Yeah, I think um making it making it goofier, making Splinter feel more like the shut-in dad character that he was, uh, so that he wasn't like the pre like the first couple of versions we had. He was just neo or like the terminator he was just he was just killing everybody and (gasps) it was like they were very cool action sequences but like like i said earlier it was like it was five minutes of him just beating the shit out of everyone on screen and if it's just five minutes of just non-stop punching with like no change in what's happening uh like he's just winning for five minutes and you you start to get bored and like nothing Mm -hmm. feels special anymore and so Mm -hmm. the changes that we tried to make were making him feel more like a shut-in dad and he's good at martial arts but he's he's still gonna slowly be overwhelmed and kind of trying like taking a page out of jackie chan in terms of like i think what makes his fights compelling and fun is that he gets beaten up a lot during his fights like he's Mm -hmm. always on the back foot and he's just like struggling to keep up with the amount of guys coming at him and I think that was that was more or less when we started to think that we had a solution for that sequence. So how does a tone change work when you have, you know, a movie with scripts and when you're figuring out a tone change in the fight scene where I'm sure that, you know, it, it's it's not there's probably some lines over the course of that fight and 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 that kind of thing. How how does making a tone change like that work in between you and the writers i think i think a lot of that stuff is probably for our show more heavily dependent on the board artists and the direction Mm -hmm. of the directors i don't think i don't think any of our fight sequences were scripted out in terms of like these are the things that need to happen they were more just like uh the splinter fight splinter comes in and like he's there to save his his sons and he beats everyone up at the end and then it's kind of up to us to figure out how he does that and then like, so would you so, so would you su- suggest dialogue in in the boards and then they would do with that what they would yeah yeah a lot of a lot so, of like small ideas are mainly just the board artist's job to come up with like um, going back to the chop shop fight um all we all we knew was that like jeff really wanted like jeff wanted to be that a sequence where the ninja turtles were not good at fighting and they win the fight but they uh were not badasses so it's like they gotta win it's gotta be sloppy and it's just gotta be you know they have to like not be good at kicking ass yet and one of the suggestions was like, oh, in the script it said, oh, maybe maybe Raphael slips on a grease puddle before the fight even starts. Um, just, you know, just to have them kind of on the ground before the fight even starts. And then uh, and then when I boarded it, I think I kind of thought, oh, it could be funny if like when he slips, like one of his sides like stabs Donnie. And it was just like stuff like that where... Yeah. Um, and uh and i i i talked about this uh at pixelato but for that scene that sequence in particular um as i was boarding the beginning part 
uh, I had another board artist help me board the back end because we had like a general idea of like, um, okay, the, the turtles come in, it's a disaster, and at the end they win. So uh, we had another board artist, Charlie, board the back end, and he had ideas. He was like, you know, we're in a chop shop, we're in a like, place full of cars, so like, what if we had one of the villains try to run him, run the turtles over? Uh, and so he had boarded all that stuff as I was boarding the beginning part and seeing all his ideas, uh, gave me ideas for how to board the middle part. And I was like, Oh, I could set up the guy running them over the car earlier in the fight. Like if someone gets knocked out in a car so that, you know, later on in the fight, you've kind of forgotten about him, but then he like, you cut back to him and he wakes up and he sees, he sees the turtles and like, you've got it all set up so that he can just like turn on the car and like pump the gas. And uh, it was a lot of stuff like that in in those sequences where it was just a team effort in terms of coming up with ideas. That's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Talking about coming up with ideas, we have a question that we ask all of our guests. Do you do you experience creative block? <laughs> and if you do, what does it feel like, and how do you deal with it? Yes, I do get creative blocks way more often than I am, like, comfortable. <laughs> way, way more often <laughs> than I'd like, I guess. And I think I think sometimes there's, like, a lot of pressure uh, on productions because you're like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta always have a great idea. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you have a bad pitch and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've had them too sometimes where you've had a bad mm-hmm. pitch and the room's just kind of quiet at the end and like you're just like oh shit I'm gonna get fired now um mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of maybe not everyone obviously I think some people are more uh more put together than I am but I'm always just like I'm only as good as my last idea um and if I if I do a shitty idea then obviously like I'm cooked I'm done it stresses me out a lot when I have creative blocks because then I'm like well fuck well now I'm, I have a deadline in a, in in a week what am I going to do this particular ninja turtles production I think has been amazing for me because I think the directors were very understanding about like that this happens to everyone and uh mm-hmm. it's something that I personally like like as a head of story I'm like I'm trying my best to approach like use that approach when working with the story team because I feel like um like going back to the splinter fight like uh a bunch of artists worked on it and then I like near the tail end I had to work on it and I couldn't figure it out either and and it was just like this sequence just isn't working and it was like a giant creative block for me personally and it was really frustrating because like we had done so many fight sequences before that and like we were like why doesn't this one work and it, I think it was great for our production to both just say, okay, let's just let's just take our hands off of this for a while. Like we'll all do something else. We like we won't think about this problem for a, a bit. Come back to it and see how we feel about it, and maybe like some ideas will come. Uh, some ideas did come, but we I was still kind of in a creative block. And what ended up happening is like we were so far into production that. We basically had to start handing these sequences out to to previs and layout, and um, 
for this particular scene, it was just like, this sequence isn't quite working, but we gotta send it. And you're like, it sucked sending in something that you're like, this sequence is still just kind of flat. And Mm. what was great about this production is uh, they really allowed me and the, the board team or like whatever was left of it at that time, like they really let us work with the layout team, which I've never experienced before. So the layout mm. team, the the layout team took a look at this sequence, and the the artists kind of added their own uh, ideas to it. They're like, "Oh, I maybe like maybe it could be a little funnier if we have the if we have Splinter running around and having the guards chase him." Um, and there was a lot of moments like that where them coming up with their own ideas for this allowed me to kind of go back in and just like piggyback off of their ideas and being like oh yeah 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 like this this makes this area better and now like for the final fight and then I could just like and at that stage I didn't have like we didn't have time to board out full things so I I would just board out like almost like schematics or like um Mm -hmm. little blueprints where I'd like draw a map or a diagram of where splinter is and i draw a camera and be like okay if we just and i just thumbnail stuff out so like if we just move the camera here and follow him as he does does these things and then like going back and forth with layout and then like you know they'd spend the day and they'd have that camera shot and then like we could come up with ideas for what splinter does within that and it was really it was like a really great experience but also it was great being in a production that was able to say every every artist has like creative blocks and we can we can confidently even though it's like less than ideal we can confidently hand it off to the next person knowing that they'll add something of value to it and it takes a little bit of pressure off of like one individual to to like just have the full fleshed out idea yeah and then you when you're on a crew you can you you can schedule out like all right so i'm gonna have creative block on this week yeah and then yeah yeah, yeah, and then you'll do it next (laughs) And that way, <laughs> that way it'll all work. But they never out. overlap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool, though, that you guys could talk to the layout team. Was the layout team in house, or was it uh, in Miklos? Uh, I think it was like a little bit of a split. So we had the mm. head of <clears throat> we had the head of the previous team in LA, and maybe I think two other artists, and then and then everyone else was like working at Micros or we had two vendors we had Micros and Cinesite so mm. uh there would there would be some like of him relaying stuff to the other team but we got to mainly work with the uh, the people based here in house um at the very end which was great that's really cool talking about the very end y'all this is the end of this creative block yeah <laughs> Gabe, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Blog, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clemens, for editing this podcast and Marco for helping us produce the show. If you love our show, you can support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you Discord access, early access to interviews, as well as Bonus episodes, we're working on it uh, for the bonus episodes. We haven't released some in a while. But another way you can also support us is to comment, share, subscribe, just interacting with our content, help us reach a wider audience. And we just want to help out as many 
animation fans out there with um, all these wonderful interviews. Click the link in the description of this episode to um, see Gabe's socials and the Patreon and all of these great things. I've been your host, V. And I'm a, a sad little animal, Sean, in the Chicago Zoo that you guys please follow us to <laughs> cheer up. Cheer me up. I need help. Free me. Uh, keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.